Actually, after my first book, I started kind of doing what I've seen you doing, where I'm like, this is how this character sounds. This, that's right. He's kind of in my nose and like I talk through my teeth. And like, yeah, like, a, like an audio video catalog for yourself to keep exactly. track of things. Exactly. So the voice you just heard belongs to BJ Wimpy. Hi, everyone. I'm BJ Wimpy. I'm an actor, a voiceover artist and all around fun guy. So here we are who met with me over Zoom to dig deep into the technical process and artistry of voiceover work, especially audiobook narration through ACX. I'm your host, Liz Christensen, and it's all in the telling. Welcome to episode 61 with audiobook narrator BJ Wimpy. Did you get into voiceover acting separately from being an audiobook narrator or... Was that the same um, thing for you at the beginning? They're, they're more or less the same thing for me. I, you know, like audiobook narration, it, it's a form of voiceover work. It's definitely its own vein and, and has its own like style and rules and stuff that you have to do. But it's also just very similar to voiceover work in general. It's like long form voiceover work. I, that begs the question instantly for me. What are the rules? Um, well, um, <laughs> one thing that... And I have to do this in my own voiceover as well, because I tend to talk a little fast, especially like when I'm with people and I'm excited. And so for voiceover, especially, I have to like tell myself to, you know, bring it back, calm down and talk slow, especially in a book, because people have to be able to follow along, not necessarily like with the book, but just follow along with what I'm saying and make sure they hear everything. And I'm not jumping words or slurring words together. Um, so yeah, that's like, that's, that's definitely a big rule. <laughs> Remembering voices. That's a big rule. <laughs> like I did my first book and there was a couple times I had to, like, I wouldn't see a character for quite a while. And then I would like, they'd be reintroduced. I'm like, Oh crap. What voice did I do for that character? So I'd have like, like go back and find my old, the other recordings and like, okay, okay. That's what I sound like. And yeah, then you don't want on, to dig through the file, right? And be like, oh, yeah. where was that voice? Like, where was that voice? What chapter? What point? And like, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so I guess that's a big one. Um, also with with narration, it's actually a little less constricted than it is with other voiceover work because a lot of the times, especially like through ACX, where I do most of my my audiobooks, once the author approves the first 15 minutes of the book that's about all the say they get. Um, if they want minor tweaks here and there, there can be minor tweaks. But, I, and I mean, I upload as I go sort of thing. So if there's anything major, they can catch it early on. But once the book's complete, it's complete. And that's that. <laughs> so. That, the producer part of me, um, the producer of like theater and film and some other things would be so stressed by that arrangement. Do right? you feel that stress as a as a performer? Um, I do. I feel like a lot of, well, just a lot of weight because you know, like when like when you're acting or even like doing other voiceover jobs, like you have someone there directing you, telling you specifically, like, oh, I don't like how you said that. Try saying it this way, and you go, oh, okay, I can do that. But with like the voiceover stuff, yeah, I don't hear from them until after I've like recorded, edited, and submitted a chapter. And most of the time, yeah, they like that's that. They, if they have a problem, they have to say so very, very early on because otherwise it's just in my hands and I'm I'm the producer and I'm the actor and I'm the director. And so it, it is a little stressful, not going to lie. 
<laughs> I I want to ask you if you've had like voice training. I know you sing and I don't mean to exclude that. So tell me how you know how to use your voice. Um, so yes, I singing is part of it. Like, you know, I've taken many years of, of singing for voice. Um, also acting in general, different ways to support yourself with your diaphragm, use your voice, you know, make sure you're not talking in your throat so you're not hurting yourself sort of thing. Um, but then also for voiceover specific, I actually took a course. It was an online course uh, through a company called Such a Voice. And um, they were actually pretty great. I, I worked with this uh, voiceover artist named Booth Daniels. And he was my coach. And uh, it was, uh, how long, like a three-month thing. So it was like once a week for three months. And it was great. And like, yeah, taught me a lot of a lot of tricks and a lot of this and that. And all right, when you're doing this, make sure you do that to make sure you think about this before you go into things. And then other than that, yeah, it's a lot of self-taught and a lot of trial and error. So yeah. <laughs> I, I want to ask you, because I, I know that people have to describe their own voices in this industry a lot. What do you think uh -huh. you sound like? So I've been told I'm very much like, like, hey, you're that like friendly guy next door who just wants to like sit and talk over the fence for a little while. <laughs> Someone in one of my my book reviews, they they called my voice like sultry, and that was that was for a romance novel that I did. So I was going for sultry. So there's that. <laughs> um, yes. But yes, score. But yeah, warm, friendly, inviting, uh, powerful. I get powerful a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you like a, a genre of audiobooks or are you kind of whatever? Um, I, I'm happy to do whatever. And I've done everything from a kid's book, uh, which was called Camille the French Toad, um, all the way like some some science fiction, some fantasy, uh, superhero novel. And then I did a, a, a romance novel, which was actually a gay romance novel. Funny story about that. I didn't know it was a gay romance novel when I accepted the contract. <laughs> did that, Did you find yourself having to like change characters at all because of that information or? A little bit. Um, so when I got the audition, it just said, like, like the description of the book was like, it was from a first person perspective. And it's like, I've never been in love before until I met Leo and he became my perfect match and blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, okay. So it's just a regular romance novel. But Did you give like, that like a female voice initially thinking that? Yeah, like, I was thinking like, okay, so I'm going to do like a female voice. I'll go up into a higher register and like a little softer and, and okay, great. Awesome. And then, you know, then, then the guy will just be my normal voice. Great. And then I got the, I got, you know, got the parts, signed the contracts, got all the information. And then it's like, okay, so Leo. And I'm like, okay, so Leo, this is the guy. Okay. And I flip the page. And it's on Zach. And I read like, Zach, I'm like, wait a minute, Zach. And like I was flipping through, like, oh, oh. Zach <laughs> is the first person pronoun. Zach <laughs> is who that is. Okay. And so then, like, like, like rereading like the synopsis and like the audition, I'm like, yep, I missed all of the signs that this was a gay romance novel, but here we are. Let's do this. <laughs> so did you stick with that voice, thinking this is um, what they wanted? That's why they cast me. Um, I, I kind of did. Yeah. Um, one thing that they did ask for is that Leo have a deeper voice. And so like, cause he had, I had my normal voice for Leo and then the other voice I had like kind of the feminine voice and like, could you just like do like a deeper voice for Leo? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And so I actually ended up going deeper for Leo in my, and, and then bringing Zach closer to my own register as well. So not, not quite as feminine, but still uh, like sp speaking a little bit softer with my voice and whatnot. 
And then Leo, you know, like Leo, you get down and go really deep and like, yeah, I'm Leo. Uh -huh. Where in your journey with audiobooks did all this fall? Like how long have you been doing it? Did you go in for training right away? I started doing a, uh, my voiceover training a little over a year ago, I would say. I, I had just finished like not my, my, my voiceover like specific training. And like the month after that is when everything went, went downhill from COVID. And so was that just um, really prescient of you or had you always wanted to, well, to I've, do this? I've always wanted to do voiceover. Like ever since I was a kid, like one of my favorite things like acting wise was mimicking cartoons or like mimicking Disney films and mimicking like the Saturday morning cartoons that I would always watch. And like, like doing silly voices because that's what you hear, you know, in, in those things. And like Robin Williams, oh my word, I love that man. And like his just length and breadth of, of voices and impressions and everything. And so like, I've always wanted to do it. And I recently returned from Japan and I had a little bit of money saved up. And I thought, you know, like I'm going to invest and like get some training, buy some equipment and really try this myself because it's something I've always wanted to do. And, and I've never taken the initiative to do it. And so I thought, you know what? I am going to take the initiative right now. I'm going to invest some money in myself and do this. And then lucky for me, <laughs> like <laughs> a month after that, then everything happened. And so I was actually kind of set up at home with a, like a little home recording studio and, um, you know, some training under my belt to just kind of dive in and, and, and a lot of time because I lost like all three of my jobs about that time. And so I'm like, well, let's do this. <laughs> And so I just dived in and started. Did you go into ACX right away or did you try looking at other employment um, options? I've looked at some other employment options and I've, I've actually had a little bit of luck here and there with other employment options, which is great. Um, I actually heard on, on a different podcast um, that's done by one of our friends, Brie Welch. She had another one of our friends, Anthony, oh crap, what's his name? Levar, crap, how Lovato? Lovato, that's it. I'm a, I, I was going to pronounce it wrong. Anthony Lovato. Um, he was on and he's a voiceover artist and he also does audiobooks. And he was talking about how he's booked so many of his audiobooks through ACX. And so I'm like, ah, you know, might as well try, might as well look at, look at this ACX thing and try it out. And yeah, I went on and lucky for me, and I know this doesn't happen to everyone. The very first book I auditioned for, I got. And so I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. And very quickly, because the thing with, with ACX, you are also the producer of the audiobook. So you edit everything and, and you know, trim this and trim that, and you re-listen and fix things and listen again. And so you're doing a lot of work through ACX. And a lot of it, I had very little training on, especially like the audio engineering side of things. Thank goodness for YouTube and and tutorials about audacity and about mics and about this and that and and adjusting this level or that level because that is how I taught myself whilst recording and editing this audiobook like as I was going what was the word count of that audiobook oh it was like an, an 80,000 word okay yeah decent size novel yeah it ended up being like just under 8 hours or something like that what was your turnaround right. time on that contract? Uh, that one, I was, cause I was very nervous on it. Um, and it was my first one. So I'm like, Hey, like, can I have like four months to do this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, dude. Like, there's no, there's no pressure. I'm not rushed. You know, like, like as long as, as long as we're working on it, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, I ended up getting it turned in, in just under three months. 
I, I was happy that I gave myself that buffer so I wasn't feeling like so stressed about everything. Um, normal turnaround time now is for, for a full audiobook about that length would probably be between, between one and two months, just kind of depending on what's going on. As I've gotten better with the editing side, I've been able to continuously trim down, uh, you know, that time. But at first I, I was spending, you know, a lot of time on editing, like for every one hour of like recording I did, I was doing four or five hours of editing. Like wow. it was, it was, yeah, it was crazy. But I, like I said, I, that was like stopping. Like, I don't know how to fix this YouTube. How do I fix this? And so I was getting that done. Tell me your process. Um, I've just hired you for an audiobook. Let's say, what's the first thing you're going to do? Um, I'm going to ask you for like a character breakdown, a rundown, you know, say like, hey, like, do you have a list of characters? Do you as the author in your head, like what does this character sound like? And sometimes people give me like specific actors. Like I kind of think they sound like this actor. Like this is who I was imagining if it was a movie. You know, oh, okay, that's great. And, and others are very vague. You know, it's like, he has a deep voice. Like, okay, great. Yeah. Um, and so from there, so I, I'll read through, kind of figure out like, like who the characters are. And then I start reading the book. And so then I'll read the book and I read the book out loud, just more practice. So I read the book out loud as I'm reading it, read, read the book, great, awesome. Go back and again, ask the author like, hey, I'm about to start recording. Do you have anything specific you would like me to do before I get going? Sometimes they have great information. Other times they're just like, nah, surprise me. <laughs> I like it when they have more information and more like, like I said, like direction. So, oh, I'm, I'm imagining this and that, and I want it to have this kind of flow and that, and I want this person to sound like this. Like, okay, great. Take, take my notes. And then I, I get started. Um, and through ACX, you record like the first 15 minutes very first. You record, master, finish the first 15 minutes like you would if you were turning it in as a completed project. And then the author then approves or, or asks for changes at that point. So they approve it. I would then again ask them just before going forward and remind them like, okay, this is your last chance to change anything. Like, and like, like anything major, especially. And they'll like, yes or no. And then I'll just start going. And what I'll normally do is I will sit down, I'll, I'll reread a chapter and then I'll, I'll sit down and then record it. And I do what's called punch and roll when I record. Yeah, demonstrate it if you would. Oh yeah, so punch and roll. So I'll be going, uh, here, let me, let me grab something to read. <clears throat> yeah. Guys like me, we work our whole lives to do something that's successful, that people like, and so I messed up. And so what I would do is I would go on my audio, pause it, go back to the last sentence that I was reading fine. And then, you know, I, I activate it there and my, my system starts me five seconds before that. And so I can listen to myself, read those sentences. And then I, you know what I mean? I'm finally something that I, and then I jump in as it completes that five seconds and then I continue on. So I do that as I'm going along there. I know a lot of other people, they'll do what, like they'll record and if they mess up, they'll either give themselves a click like with their tongue or sometimes they'll clap so that you get a big spike in the audio. Yeah, like then, a slate you know, film. Like, oh, the, yeah, exactly, like a slate, you know? And so you're like, oh, I gotta go back and fix right there. And, but because of punch and roll, like I don't really have that because I just 
I go back to where I was doing fine and continue from there and then go back to where I was doing fine and continue from there. This is kind of an ignorant question, but I don't, I don't punch and roll because I think I would be very visually distracted by my waveform and I would want to look at it instead of like focus on what I'm supposed to be looking at, which is the words. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I have my two screens, you know, up one is, one is my script. And then my other screen is, is like my, my waveform and I have the waveform. So it's, I'm not facing it. So it's, it's, it's away from me. So if I want to look at my waveform, I have to like turn and look at my waveform. So then that way, yes, because I'm the same way. I'd be worried about everything before it, but nope, I'm just like, okay, I'm listening. And sometimes I'll even like read along like with myself to get like, okay, that was the tone. That was the pace I was going. And here we go and can go forward. Very cool. Okay. So you read the whole thing through you send them your 15 minutes, you ask for like changes, any other descriptions and feedback and stuff. And then you go and you punch and mm. roll. Punch and roll. And I, I do a chapter at a time normally. So I'll, I'll record an entire chapter and then I will adjust levels and whatnot within that chapter, edit out odd breaths or sometimes, you know, like like a like the plosive of a P is like really plosive. And it's like, oh, I gotta fix that or... Um, just other other weird ticks, or sometimes it's like, why did I pause that long? That's a weird pause. Let me shorten that pause, or oh wow, I didn't pause at all right there. Let me lengthen that pause, and listen through it, doing all of that. Once I've completed that, then I just sit down and listen to it myself, and I, I'll take notes every once in a while. I'll be like, oh, five minute mark, there was a pop. I'm like, okay, let me. Get, I'll have to go back and fix that. Like, oh, okay, ten minute mark, there's a plosive I didn't catch, or. And then while actually, and while I'm doing that, I have the the script up on screen, so I'm reading along as I'm listening. And every once in a while, I was like, "Oh, I pronounced that word wrong," you know, like uh, you know, this chapter, this page, this minute mark. Then I'll go back again, re-record those bits, plug them back in, fix that, listen to it all again. Yeah, and then com chapter's complete, and I send it off. <laughs> when you're doing your pickups, you're not doing that punch and roll style over, right? It's a separate file, and then you're going to pull it in. Yeah, I, I I would do that in a separate file. Also, actually, sometimes what I'll do is I'll actually make just another track, so I can be li I can listen to my normal thing, and then like I'll even like like just like physically you know go in and then like put a huge space in between it, so I, then I have time to record what I want to record, again edit, adjust, plug it right in right then, and then go on to the next piece. It sounds like a really efficient workflow process. Um, it. it it has definitely become more efficient as I've gone on. I remember when I was first trying, actually before I learned about punch and roll, I was making so many mistakes and like having to slate so often and like, this is gonna take me forever. Not only to record all of this, but then to go back and edit all of this. And it did, it took me forever. And then someone, I'm on a, a voiceover group, you know, a couple of voiceover groups on Facebook and whatnot. And someone was talking about punching and rolling while they were recording an audiobook. I'm like, hey, wait, what is punch and roll? And they described it. And I tried it the following day. And it was, it really was like, like the beam from heaven, like, oh, like, this is the way of the future. <laughs> <laughs> now you never will go back. And I've never come back. <laughs> Are you using it as a Word doc and are you highlighting? Do you make comments? Like how, um, are you taking notes of that kind at all? Sometimes. Um, I have before. I know there are some who, who make a lot of notes and, and that is great. And if that's your process, I'm very happy for you. Um, I sometimes do minimal notes and I will often highlight 
different characters in different colors. Um, so that as I'm reading, my eye will see like, oh, blue's coming up. I got to switch to Benjamin's voice when I hit that point. Although I, I will say I have not done that every time. And just recently, actually my roommate, he heard me, I was recording and I, I recorded actually, it was like a big old paragraph. And I got to the end of the paragraph and it said, like said Joshua. And I'm like, oh, I did that all in someone else's voice. <laughs> and, oh no. <laughs> so I'm like, well, punch and go back that entire, you know, space and re-record in the correct voice. A book I just finished not too long ago, there was a conversation between three people. And at one point they stopped saying who was saying the line. Oh yeah, yeah. And so like at first it was like, you know, Jonathan stated blah, 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 blah. And Susan responded this and Joshua, and but then it just started like, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who, who is saying this all now? Like, I don't, I don't know which character we are. So I, I had to go through like logically like, okay. All right, Susan would respond. Okay, the, this is Susan. And like, okay, and all right, and Ben would respond here. Okay, good. And but it it was actually a few pages worth of just the three of them talking without the author telling me who was saying what line. What's your favorite stuff to do with this? Like, what are you having the most fun with? I have the most fun, oh, like when I can be like like crazy characters. Um, I just finished a book called Artificial Dungeon. Uh, which is a lit RPG novel, if you know what that is. Um, um, but for the listeners. Oh, it is a literature role-playing game novel. So role-playing game as in like Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. So in, in this world, they're just normal people, but then they have this like role-playing game aspect where like it'll jump in and say, your strength is now plus 25, you know? And so you get that plus 25 strength because of something you did for a feat. And, and so it's like a role-playing game, but in novel form. He let me go crazy with characters, which was great. And so voices were all over the place, like for, for the different characters, like the main character was my own voice, which I, I like to do because then, because most of the time, you know, the main character is also the narrator. So then I just get to narrate in my normal voice, which is comfortable. But a lot of the others, like the side characters and the reoccurring characters he was very like, well, like I picture him like a, like a, like a crazy old man. So give me a crazy old man voice. I'm like, got it. And, oh, let's, let's hear it. Well, and so, so there were two crazy old men in this. There was uh, one who was like, uh, he, he was a garbage man and he was kind of like a redneck. And so he was like, he was very like this. And I'll tell you what, Shirley's going to be mad at me when I come home. And then the other one, um, he was a former dungeon master. And he was, um, but Mike, I'm sure you don't understand what's going on. <laughs> and so, I love it. So yeah, these like, so they're like old man voices, but just out there old man voices, like not, not necessarily realistic at all, but man, it was fun. I also got to voice little kids, which is always fun to do. Um, I want to hear some of that too. Okay. So um, the main little kid, um, his name was Adam. And he was, um, <clears throat> oh, but Mr. Shopkeeper, I don't know what you're talking about. Really, I think we should do this. <laughs> and so. <laughs> I want to hear your female voices, because that's one of the parts that I've noticed that people will specifically be like, look, I'm looking for a male narrator or a female narrator, but they have to be able to do the other gender. A female voice. 
I've only had to do a few female characters. A lot of the books I've done have actually been very male heavy, which authors let's do better. Let's, let's, do, let's be, let's be better about this and, and spread out, spread it out. Let me think. Um, so I did a character named Tawanda and she was very much like a Wonder Woman-esque character. So she was from a, like a, an island and was raised like it was it was a wonder woman knockoff let's not let's not be drowned <laughs> in the bush for her let's see <clears throat> yes i'm tawanda princess of seether island and so, I don't, like, so <laughs> she was a little bit deeper because she was a warrior woman but then we've had other ones you know who are um i had bregma who was a wicked witch and so she i went very wicked witch on that and she was hi I am Bregma. Yes, I am the witch of Bogos. <laughs> like your normal female characters or like a love interest or, and that, let me try and think. Don't you understand what I'm saying? You need to be here. Like, I don't know, please help me. I, I, that was bad. <laughs> I didn't like that one. I, I was not warmed up into that. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I'll give you a chance to warm up because I actually wanted to ask you, Outside of your engineering and logistical process, what is your immediate, I'm going to sit down and record, warm up, vocal hygiene, that kind of process? Okay. I do a lot of like face stretches, which I know sounds funny. And like your listeners, this is just audio, so you can't really see, but I'll, you scrunch up your face and like I tighten my eyebrows and I purse my lips and push them out and make my face really like as tight as I can. And then I slowly like stretch it out wide. I widen my eyes, widen my mouth as wide as I can. And I reverse that, squish it all back up. And I, I do that quite a few times back and forth. It gets everything warmed up. Um, is that a silent stretch for you or are you that, making that, that one's normally silent, but there is sometimes where I'm like, <laughs> and I'm <and> <laughs> over here laughing because I'm making crazy faces. But so there's that. And then honestly, with my vocal training, like singing wise, I do just a lot of like, like register warm-ups. You know, I, I run run a full register up and down. Like, um, you do uh, some tongue twisters. What do you have some that you can share? Um, like I slit a sheet, a sheet I slit upon a slitted sheet I sit. Um, that one sounds precarious. <laughs> it it is precarious. Um, and I mean, like that, like how much wood could a woodchuck chuck? There's the normal ones, or Peter Piper picked a pickle, pickle peppers. Get the get those plosives warmed up. And uh, there was this thing that we did in acting class back in college and I just say it and it helps me feel powerful actually I do that like always like right before I start you know midway on my life's journey I find myself in dark woods the right road lost to tell about those woods is hard and and you know it goes on from there I've never heard but that one like, before yeah so uh that was from my my acting coach Tracy Callahan up at Weaver State and any any actor who's been through that program and has had Tracy will tell you like like you do that like you get like warrior pose and then you like, and speak midway. And we all do it in chorus and they, oh, you feel so powerful. And and so I always do that and it, it pumps me up and yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah, so that's, that's a good one. If I ever uh, find like my, I feel like my mouth is being lazy. I'll do the cork, um, a, a cork thing where I'll take a cork and I'll put it in between my teeth. And then I will, I will read like a page or two with that cork in my teeth and making sure I'm really moving my lips around the cork to try and make myself understood. And when you have a cork in your teeth, so, you know, it's still going to sound kind of like this, but you, it is going to sound like this. So you can really move your, like, so you move your mouth a lot. 
and you, you are over exaggerating how you would move your mouth. And then that wakes everything up for me and gets me going. Like if there've been times where I've been recording and it's like listening to myself, I'm like, Oh man, it all sounds so lazy. And so then I'll, <laughs> then I'll, then I'll do the, that little trick and warm up my mouth a little bit more before I continue on. Do you um, have a drink nearby that you like things that you definitely don't eat before you record um, any of that kind of stuff? Yes, always. Um, so I always have water uh, and I always have both warm and cold water, just depending. Um, I, I normally like, I, yeah, I'll brew like tea, which is like chamomile or whatnot. And that'll be like my cold water. Um, avoid tea that has caffeine in it. That's a big one. Um, because? Ca caffeine tightens up your vocal cords. And so it just, it, it makes you tire faster and it's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't strain your voice necessarily, but it just, it makes everything tighter. I try to avoid caffeine before I, I record. I try to avoid dairy before or while recording because dairy can cause a lot of phlegm and also causes a lot of like mouth noises, I find, which are just like the soft pops and clicks that are natural in normal speech. But when you're in a mic, for some reason, they're like amplified. They're so like, like listening to myself sometimes. It's like, like, was I chewing something while I I was talking. What is that noise coming from my mouth? I call it, I call it the juicy problem. The juicy, no, it definitely <laughs> is the juicy problem. Uh, one thing, if I ever notice that I'm having a lot of that, um, I will actually, I will bite into a, a green apple, like a, a tart apple. I don't know what it is. And that, that was actually something that one of my, my, my voiceover coach Booth Daniels taught me. He's like, bite into a, a green apple. For some reason, it like tightens everything up in there, gets rid of like that extra saliva, and then you can go from there. So I I, I try to have a, one of those handy, maybe not in the room with me, but at least in the kitchen. So if I notice that I have a lot of mouth noises, I can go and take care of it. I did a, a Brazilian or a Portuguese to English. I was the English speaker gig when I was a teenager. And it was like my only time doing something as a professional voiceover actress as a teenager though. And they had apple juice like all over the studio for that because it's apparently something in the it's thing. Something in it. I don't know what it is, but yep, just. Have you had a problem at all? Um, I mean, it's been one season and it's a season where most people have gotten less sick because they're wearing masks or whatever. But have you had like a voice loss or vocal injury during the course of reading an audiobook that you had to kind of work around and like uh, rehab from? Luckily, I have not had anything major. At one point during the, the past year, I did get like a cold. And so I was a stuffy and like, like gunky. Um, but I had enough time in my schedule that, and, and things that I had recorded, but hadn't edited that I just took a day or two and just edited and like, let my voice rest, drank lots of tea, you know, did what I could to like make myself get better faster. And then I was able to continue recording. So I've been lucky that I've never had like a, a problem like that. I haven't lost my voice. I haven't gotten a sore throat. I haven't, um, you know, damaged anything. So I, I, I've been lucky that way. All right, it's show off time. Give me some of your dialect that you used most recently on stage. Dialect most recently on stage, I was in uh, Murder on the Orient Express at Hale Center Theater. And I was French Belgium. And I was Monsieur Book of the Orient Express. Um, of course, I should have listened to her. But now the question is, where did he go? No, of course, she's not the murderer. That is ridiculous. <laughs> so there. <laughs> um, and luckily, I, I did a children's book called Camille the French Toad at the same time I was doing 
Murder on the Orient Express. And he's like, can you do a French accent? I'm like, but of course I can do a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you have from the British Isles? Can you do a uh, proper Cockney um, Scottish? Yeah, I can do a little bit of, of everything. And of course, if I warm up and like really think about it, I can do more. Uh, I, I worked for actually quite a few years in Harry Potter world as the conductor of the Hogwarts Express. And so he is definitely an RP British man. He's out there every day like, oh, hello there. Welcome to Hogsmeade. Yes. Well, you'll find Hogwarts Castle right up the road. Very nice. Very posh. Thank you, darling. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, you get that, Dan. And right here, uh, this is actually that, that went more in my Australian. Yeah, that's good. But <laughs> there it is. Yeah, I, Australian, I, I learned to do that pretty good for uh, Strictly Ballroom. Um, so that one, when I was Barry Foy for the Pan Pacific Dancing Federation. And there are no new steps, you hear me, Scott? <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> um, so Scottish, of course, you can have Scottish in there. And funny thing about Scottish, Sean Connery doesn't sound Scottish. I know he is. But everyone thinks that Sean Connery is going to be your Scottish man, but he's not very Scottish, to be honest. That was spot on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but it doesn't sound like a normal Scottish brogue. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. Um, Irish, I would say, is a bit lighter. Um, it, it lives a little more up here. And what to do today, today, at a minute or two till two. You know, so <laughs> classic one for that particular accent. Right. That's what I do to get into it. <laughs> do you have other impressions like uh, that you you just whipped out Sean Connery like it was no biggie? So now I have to know who else you can do. I have, I have a couple here and there. I mean, they're not all great. Uh, yeah, Patrick Walburn, definitely. You know, hey, I'm Kron. Good to see you. <laughs> poison, <laughs> the poison to kill Cusco. Cusco's poison. That poison. And so, um, <laughs> Patrick Walbert, um, the name's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now that's a name I haven't heard since, oh, before you were born. Wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, Emperor Palpatine, so played by Ian McDermott. I do him quite a bit. Greetings, young Skywalker. <laughs> I've been expecting you. <laughs> I love how when you do that, how it transforms your face. Right, Are there yeah. Um, are there other things, since I can, you're just the square of a headshot for me right now, do you find yourself taking on an entirely different posture sometimes, or is it, do you keep it kind of all here? Um, I will say the face is probably the most expressive, but when I'm like actually very engaged, I, you know, I, I can definitely do like full posture things and that, that get me into the character even more. And at first I was actually like doing voiceover work. I was embarrassed like, like that I, I have to make this face in order to make this character. And I was embarrassed by it until I actually, I saw a behind the scenes video of Mark Hamill uh, recording the Joker. And he, he is like full on smiling and like the way he moves his head and like gets into the mic, like is, it's so like, oh, okay. I do not need to be embarrassed about folding faces while I'm doing voices. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is how this goes. Apparently. That is how, and, and no, but it's true. Like, you know, like, and even like when I'm, when I'm recording, like, oh, there's a valiant person. Ah, yeah. So I'm going to, ah, ha, ha. And I like find myself even like doing that with my arms and like, <laughs> If people listening, um, either actors or authors or readers, want more of you in their life, where do they find you? Tell me first if people want to hire you, where they find you. Um, one of the best places if you want to hire me, if you're located outside of Utah, 
Um, the best place is to go to my website, which is bjwimpy.com, and that's pretty easy. So bjwhimpey.com. Um, if you're in Utah, I am currently being represented by McCarty Talent, so I would recommend getting a contact with them. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. If you're if you're interested in seeing that, it's just under my name, BJ Wimpy. Um, I recently released a parody of Emperor Palpatine singing You'll Be Back from uh, Hamilton. Which is totally brilliant, by the way. <laughs> you absolutely have to check it out. It's fantastic. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. And I, I just started a TikTok. Um, and I'm just having fun doing that. So far, it's a lot of Palpatine content on TikTok. <laughs> but people are eating it up and I'm having fun doing it. So, and that I'm, I'm wimpy BJ on that. So yeah, if you want to find me there. <laughs> Are you BJ Wimpy on ACX? On ACX, I am BJ Wimpy. Yes. If you want to find me on ACX um, and I have all my demo reels and samples of all the audiobooks that I've done up on ACX as BJ Wimpy. Also on my website, I have my, my voiceover demo reels as well as my acting resume. Where do you want to go from here? I mean, you are... Uh, first, a stage performer, are you are you taking the flying leap and never looking back? Or is this a stopgap? Are you hoping to have both of these trains continue forward? Um, I want to have both trains continue forward. Um, theater, live theater is like my baby. I love it. I never feel more like myself than when I am on stage pretending to be someone else. <laughs> um, but I love it so much. And I love I love the interaction with people. And, and like the community feel that you get from, from live theater. But like voiceover is like, is like one of my dream, it's like my dream job because you can get very famous and work a lot and, and be paid well in the voiceover industry, but you can still go to the grocery store and not have paparazzi take photos of you um, because only certain people will know what you look like. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like I've said, like voiceover ever since I was a kid, I've wanted to be the voice of a cartoon. And, and that is like one of my dreams. I want to get on some, some long running, you know, animated series where I get to be a voice or get to be multiple voices. Like in the case of like the cast of the Simpsons, where it's just a handful of voiceover actors who do all of those characters. And it's so amazing. And I would love to be part of something like that. But yeah, so I want to get on some some long running thing. Hopefully I get to voice, you know, some superheroes or or something like that along the way. A Disney villain would be awesome. Getting like, I feel like I would peak if I was able to voice a Disney villain. Do you, do you know how you want that to sound already? Like, do you have him? I, 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 don't, I don't because it would all depend on like what what it was. If like, am I a god? Like as in like, like Her Disney's Hercules, then I would want to sound kind of this way. If I was, you know, like, am I an evil like fish Then I would want to sound this way? I don't know. It all depends on what Disney's okay. doing. <laughs> we have to, before we go, I have to hear evil fish. Evil fish. I don't even know what an evil fish would. <laughs> Salutation, Snipe. Yes, I am an evil fish. Not quite sure what kind of fish. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe an eel. Maybe an eel. Yeah, very like flopsam jepsum right there. <laughs> like. <laughs> Thank you to my guest, BJ Wimpy. BJ, I had so much fun talking to you today. Thank you for sharing all the voices and sounds with me. No, I'm very happy. It's I like any chance to talk about it and even show off a little bit. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> 
leave a review for In the Telling on Apple Podcasts. Find more at lizzylizzyliz.com. Subscribe to the Liz Christensen channel on YouTube for bonus content. Theme music by Gordon Vitas. In the Telling is hosted and produced by me, Liz Christensen. Thank you for listening.